Hey everyone, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Jared, and I'm the group's resident here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Our mission is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. And so whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help you draw near to the person of Jesus, be challenged and encouraged by his word, and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you are in him. Frontline. Hey, it's good to see all of you. Glad that you're all here in person as well as you if you're joining and watching online. Uh, Today is part two of a series called Zero Lost. Uh, Zero pairs with our vision, which you'll see as you leave today. It's on the board or it's on the wall as you exit. uh, And it says, uh, until zero people remain unchanged by Jesus. That's what we're after. And so we're looking at uh, four different areas where Jesus actually calls us to go after the lost. So last week was the home. And this week we're talking about work. Uh, So if you work, if you have a job, if you're employed, if you're retired, uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, if you you do something that requires effort, uh, today is going to apply to you. I'm so excited about it because I've had a lot of jobs, and I didn't realize how many jobs I had until I was with some of our team earlier, and Brian called me a serial job hopper uh, because of the stuff. So let me read it to you, and then you'll go, I understand why he said that. Uh, here's things that I've done. I worked for the Apple retail store, believe it or not, which was fun. Uh, I was a garbage man, a bus driver, a substitute teacher, a sports referee. I had an EMT license. I was a barista. I worked for a minor league baseball stadium. Uh, and that was all in like three years. So (laughs) just kidding. That's the exaggerated part. It was probably four or five. Uh, I, I so stressed out my wife when we finally like got engaged, we started like sharing our calendars together. That was when that kind of merge happened. And she goes, I have no idea where you are ever. Uh, and, and no joke, I was working five of those jobs at the same time. I just made it work. I loved it. I had fun. I have a lot of interest. A lot of what you do, it happened again this morning. I was talking to somebody uh, who was studying for a big uh, psychology exam. I went, teach me about that. What do you do and what are you studying and what's the licensure process? I, I have so many interests uh, in the marketplace, in the world, in your jobs, in your spheres of influence. Uh, I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of this job is actually getting to visit uh, many of you in your workplaces to see what you're doing, to see what God's doing in you and through you in your environment because it is so different than the church, uh, like the, the local church here, like this entity or this organization. Uh, I learned when I was in seminary, uh, obviously a lot of other people that was in seminary with me Uh, I mean, they're studying and learning the Bible and theology and uh, pastoral competency stuff. I mean, they're they're learning this, and then they're going, I I apply this uh, at the church where I'm interning or working as a resident. Uh, And I'm like, I can't do that in a lot of these environments. I'm having a much harder time. So here's what I learned, which is probably true of what many of you have learned. I learned how to compartmentalize following Jesus from different or other areas of my life. I learned that like when I'm at church, I can do church things and I serve and I give and I, I, I get invested uh, here in this environment, right? The local church. But then when I'm not at the local church, maybe I was in seminary, then I, I kind of plug in. Seminary is school. It's like a master's degree program for pastors. So when I'm at seminary, I'm, I'm doing seminary things and I'm studying and I'm reading and I'm learning and processing. And then when I go to work, like when I would go to Apple, uh, it'd be totally different. It'd be like, I'm, I'm selling computers and phones and I'm doing customer service and troubleshooting. And I learned to just go, what, what hat do I have on right now? And how do I function in that hat, in that environment? And then switch hats as I change 
environment. So here, here's what I learned, right? Maybe earlier on, I, I learned that some hats I wore were like the secular hat, and then other hats I wore were the sacred hat. You know what I'm talking about? Let me, let me put these up here. Like sacred versus secular. Oftentimes what we think is, oh, the sacred hat, when you have the sacred hat on, it's like on Sunday mornings. It's like when you're in your small group. It's like when you're, when you're serving in children's ministry, your student ministry, maybe, maybe the sacred hat, if we think of workplace or marketplace or job, it's sacred is like, oh, if you, if you work for the church or if you're a missionary or you work for a nonprofit, something like that, that's, that seems sacred. Doesn't it? It's like that, that seems like it has this holiness to it that makes it different. But, but then if it's not one of those things, then everything else is secular. This is how I, I often functioned, and I learned this is how a lot of our churches function, is sacred versus secular. If I'm doing a role in the church or the, in the mission world, nonprofit, that must be sacred. If I'm doing anything else, it must be secular. Here's where I'm going today. If you think that, if you function that way, if you operate that way, if you say, in my world, my job, in the marketplace where I actually serve, I can't do any of the sacred things that you're talking about, Here, here's what I want to invite you into today. God doesn't see your jobs that way. Did you know that? God does not see your jobs as secular, secular or sacred. That's a, a third option. <laughs> God does not see your job as sacred or secular. That's how he sees you. So if I, if I put this line up here, you can write this down. This is the whole direction that we're going today. What makes a calling sacred? So your job, your work, your market, you can say, I'm a stay-at-home mom or dad, or I'm a business owner, I'm a teacher, I'm a school administrator, I'm a doctor or a nurse, I'm a truck driver or a bus driver, a mechanic. You could say, what, what makes that calling sacred? Your calling is sacred. It's so important. You have to get this. What makes a calling sacred is not the job, but the person doing the job. That's you. What makes the calling sacred, what makes your work sacred, what makes your role sacred is not the environment in which you find yourself. It's not the function of your job. It is you. You are a representative of the kingdom of God in your world, in your marketplace, in your context. That's where we're going today. That's what we're talking about. So I have a, a scripture here that I want to dive us right into. It's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Here's what it says. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Everybody say ambassador. You're an ambassador. Did you know that? We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul is writing this to a group of people that are in a very secular world, secular society, who probably are functioning in a very compartmentalized way. They're saying when we're together, when we're doing church stuff, we're wearing the sacred hat. But when we're not there, when we're back, and maybe it's in our homes, maybe it's in our neighborhoods, maybe it's in our jobs or our workplaces or our retirement, then that's our secular hat. And we just know what hat we need to have on at the right time. And what Paul is saying is, no, you, you function in the role of like a government ambassador. Ambassadors are getting a little bit more airtime these days with all of the stuff and conflict that's going on all around the world. Ambassadors play a really significant role. Do you know what an ambassador does? An ambassador represents the leader of the country that they are from. 
They can have talks and conversations. They can negotiate. When they show up, they are not showing up in their own power. They don't show up with their own opinions. They don't show up on their own accord. They go where their leader has sent them. They have been commissioned to that role. And then not only that, they've been sent with a level of authority and with power and with with influence that comes with the representation of the kingdom or country or leader whom they were sent by. So the ambassador carries weight. It is significant. When an ambassador comes in, it is as if you are engaging with the leader of the country they represent themselves. It is significant. Paul looks at the church He writes this letter to the church that's in a secular world, in a secular society, and he says, guess what? Newsflash, you're all ambassadors. The environment that you have been sent to, you have been sent with the authority of God himself. You represent the kingdom of God in whatever kingdom you're in. Ambassador, this was so funny. The ambassador lives and operates and functions in a country that is not their own significant. Have you heard of like embassies before? You know, embassies are considered like the soil of the country that they represent. If there's a U.S. embassy in anywhere else in the world, you are on U.S. soil. Jesus called his disciples to be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Paul, the apostle Paul, as he's writing this letter to the church, he's saying the soil you walk on becomes sacred because it's yours, because you touched it. The workplace that you find yourself in is sacred because you've been sent there. The authority you carry, the influence you carry, the wisdom that comes from inside of you, it's because of the Holy Spirit. When you show up, you are representing a kingdom that is not your own, even if you find yourself in a, in a world or an environment, a culture, a context, a workplace that doesn't look anything like Jesus. In fact, I'd bet anything that that's exactly why you are there. Because you've been sent as a delegation. You've been sent as an ambassador to a place that doesn't look like Jesus. It doesn't look like the kingdom of God. It doesn't look like what Jesus came to, to start this new kingdom, this new order, this new way of life. If the place you find yourself in doesn't look like that, and if you're struggling right now and you're going, I just need to find a place that looks more like the church or more like Jesus' kingdom or, or more like Jesus. If you're saying, man, I feel the difference now more than ever, I got news for you. That's why you're there. Jesus is on a mission to expand his kingdom. And he does it through you. When Paul uses this language, he says as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. He's basically saying they're like, I'm begging you function like this. I'm begging you believe this. And, and, And scholars have said it can kind of go one of two ways, but both of them work. It's basically saying the world is begging you to do it. Or God is begging you to do it for the sake of the world. However you want to interpret it, either way it works. The world is hungry for what only the kingdom of God can provide, even if they say, but I don't want it with Jesus. God has called you, created you, formed you, gifted you as an ambassador of his kingdom and he has sent you into all of the different many places that you find yourself in right now so he says this be reconciled to god when you have a relationship with jesus when you understand that jesus died on the cross for you that reconciled you with 
him, Jesus looks at you and he says, this, this is my son. This is my daughter. This is my family. They, they don't work for me. They are my family. And the king, Jesus, sends his family into the world to represent and point people to him. So God made him who had no sin, being Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him, in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. What Paul is saying here is when you have a relationship with Jesus, Jesus continues to form you and mold you and craft you and make you just like him. So that when people in your world, in your context, in the marketplace, when they interact with you, it is as if they are interacting with Jesus himself. Wow. All right, I'll try to slow down a little bit here. I felt like I came out of that like a rocket ship. I've been sitting with this for a while. I'm so passionate about this. I, I love this. I love this text that we have today. So it, what's the point? Here's the deal. This turns upside down one of the most common misperceptions that I think permeates the church today, especially in our culture. And here's the thing. Here's the common misconception. Uh, People don't go to church on Sundays to support their pastors and ministry, even though that's a lot of what this seems like. When we talk about things going on and we invite you to be a part, the common misconception is we need all of you to accomplish the mission here at our church. So we need you to serve and we need you to give and we need you to support and come alongside. We do, but that's not the primary function of our gathering on Sunday mornings. So if you go, why am I coming here today? Maybe you got dragged here today. Maybe you're dreading coming this morning. Maybe you go, I don't know. Does this add value to me in my life? Like I don't, I don't have the giftedness or the calling to do a lot of the stuff that I see needed in the church. Here's what I want to tell you, okay? And I want to read it so I get it just right. Pastors, I'm going to talk about me. I show up to church on Sundays. I showed up to church today with this burning passion inside of me to support you in your ministry which is outside the walls of this church, and it's in the marketplace. That's why I showed up today. That's why I showed up today, because I know the second you leave here, you are right back into your calling from the king. As you leave, as you walk out the doors, as you go back into, your, into the marketplace setting, as you go back to your job, back to the school, back to the hospital, back to the pharmacy, back to the, the counselor's office, wherever it is that you go back to, maybe back to the shop, Wherever it is that you go, I know that you have a week's worth of ministry in front of you that God has prepared for you and he's gifted you for and he is excited about you representing him in this area. Man, we, of course, we need help and being a part of the church is doing stuff here together, but this cannot be the crux of why we exist. It has to be out there where you live. I mean, set an alarm for 9.30 a.m. tomorrow morning, wherever you find yourself. If that alarm goes off, let that be a reminder that God goes, this is where I've called you, right now, right here, with these people, as dysfunctional as they are. And you all laugh. You know what I'm talking about. You're like, no, I'm asking for a new delegation, God. Send me elsewhere. And God's saying, No. The people, when they frustrate you and upset you, when you get challenges in your context, in your environment, in your workplace, when you're angry and annoyed and you go, this is dumb, I need to find a new, I just want purpose in life, God. Give me something that's sacred. And God's saying right back to you, I did. This is where I've called you. 
Have some fun with that. Set an alarm. Find, pick a random time and just figure out where you're going to be this week and let God speak to you and minister to you in that. This is where I have called you. Isn't there such great purpose when we know God has called us to some place, even though it's hard? Man, there's joy that comes with that. I remember when I was working uh, at Apple, I want to put this line up just so you have a context with it, right? So what makes a calling sacred is not the job, but the person doing the job. Just leave this up for a second. When I was at Apple, uh, I worked there for 10 months, and it was one of my five jobs. This was one of my, you know, the season, um, which is funny, right? Because I, I was getting married to Shannon, and we had just gotten married. Shannon's had one job for the last nine years. I had like nine jobs over the span of a year. I mean, we were just the opposite person. I remember when I was at Apple, uh, I was frustrated a lot. I would leave tired. I mean, at the Apple store, I learned so much about culture and the marketplace and business and customer service and people. When I would work at the Apple store, we would have people from all countries all over the world that would show up because they knew Apple. They loved Apple. They, they loved the product. They would just want to come in. They loved the, the experience that they had with people who worked for Apple. The training that I had at Apple was, was hilarious. It had nothing to do with Apple's products. You know where I learned how to do most of my troubleshooting was a customer would come up and go, hey, this is broken. I don't know how to fix this. I would go, me neither. By the way, that's an Android. And they'd say, can you still help me? And we were trained to say, sure. And it was a miserable hour and a half going, I don't, this stupid thing doesn't, do you want to just buy one of these? And they go, yeah, I actually do. That's how we made sales. No joke. Go ask anybody at the Apple store. Here's what I learned. You, you know the, the encounters I had at the store? I still think about them today. The people that I worked with, the people that I met from all over the world, people, people start opening up. When, you, when I would just make myself available and go, man, it seems like you're having a really hard week. And I go, you don't even have a clue. I went, hit me. And they just start opening up. I mean, people tell us about marriage problems and work problems and parenting problems and financial problems and, and trials and diagnoses and things. It's like the ministry opportunity. God served it up on a platter. Here was my role. It took me the entire duration that I was at Apple to learn this. My job in that context was not to grab these people and convince them to come to church with me on Sunday. That was not my job. It's not my role. It's not even what God asked me to do. In every customer service interaction, employee interaction, sales conversation, in everything, my job was to represent the person of Jesus in this context and to point people to him. That was in how I acted, how I functioned, and how I talked. That was my job. It wasn't to bring these people to church. I invited some of them. I, I think of my time at Apple, I was there for a little less than a year. Uh, maybe one or two actually ended up coming to this place. But man, when I would go back and I would see these people and, and the relationships I had, it was like church just entered the building because it's different. You look different. You act different. You think different. And you come with a different power. That's Jesus's heart for this whole thing. So if we keep going here, I, I want to read this verse. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3. If you're saying, I don't have that, though. I'm not, I'm not that extroverted, quick to quote the Bible, you know, quippy kind of. I'm not like that. I'm also not the pastor. You know what I've said to people for the longest time? And this is like you. Like, I've said this to a lot of you. Don't call me on your worst day. I'm so bad at that. I'm just... I, 
I'm not naturally gifted a lot of times in the pastoral, like, care, let me walk with you. My goodness, I care so deeply. I just have a hard time communicating that. Some of you are just like that. God's called you to a very different function in the marketplace. Some of you are pastors. You are shepherds. You, You are those that walk with other people. God's just called you to do that in the marketplace. What a gift. So let's read this together. I came to you in weakness. This is Paul talking again. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. Paul's saying, here I am. I'm sent as a delegation from God, and I'm kind of shy about it. I'm kind of timid. I feel weak. I don't feel equipped for this. I'm not good at this. And he says, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Can I just tell you, that is one of my favorite verses as a pastor. That gives me hope. The guy that writes like a third of the New Testament was an awful preacher, apparently. (laughs) Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the, say it with me. Do you have the Holy Spirit? God makes it available. God says the Holy Spirit lives and dwells inside of you, that he makes his residence in your heart. That he wants to live right there. If you, all, all you have to do is just open that door. Holy Spirit, I want you. I want you to live here. I want you to dwell here. I want you to empower me. When, when that happens, here, here's what Paul said. I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. I don't bring a lot to any environment without the power of the Holy Spirit. Neither do you. But if you have the Holy Spirit, you can rejoice in the plainness of your message, in the boringness of your personality, in the lack of ability to quote scripture or to come up with clever, fancy, easy ways to put. If you get frustrated at yourself because you go, I'm not good at this, join the club. But the Holy Spirit says, that's where I step in. Holy Spirit can work and cultivate and stir in people's hearts like you and I could only dream of. It's just all he's asking us to do is to make ourselves available to be willing participants for, for, to say, I don't want to go there, but I will. I don't want to have a conversation, but I will. I don't want to say that, but I will. If we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, you will be blown away at the impact of your life for the kingdom of God in what many of us would call a secular marketplace job. That's what he's inviting us into. What an incredible opportunity that he gives us. This is all about Jesus. Here's a line I want you to walk away with. When your bottom line is about a kingdom impact for Jesus, that's how you know you're winning. That's how you know you're representing your king. When you say, I'm not after the prophet here, I'm after the great prophet when you say, I'm not after my own career here or, or leveraging my own calling, when you say, no, 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 I, I'm leveraging the sovereignty of God. I'm going to submit to him even if it costs me. That's where you're going to see a kingdom fruit. When, when, when you say, this is no longer about my reputation, this is about his reputation, my goodness, the kingdom of God is going to advance like you've never seen before in your workplace. When you say it's not about my power, not about what I can do, not about what I get, not, not about what furthers me in my role, in my career, in my job, in my bottom line. When you make it all about Jesus' bottom line, it's like Jesus shows up with power and kicks the doors in and goes, we can do something now. Make it about him.
in whatever capacity, whatever role, whatever environment you find yourself in. Jesus has called you to that role. Here's one of the best examples I've ever seen this. Uh, I've talked about this guy a couple of times before. His name's Ted. Uh, he's a marketplace leader. He lives in Madison, Wisconsin. I met him about three and a half years ago, and the guy just changed my life. I mean, he's, he's a prayer warrior. He, he's a mentor. I mean, he he's just, he's an incredible father and he, he's played almost like a fatherly role in my own life. But the, the guy is a, he's a health club manager. He manages a health club and the health club where it sits in Madison, Wisconsin has kind of two wings on each side and it's full of businesses uh, just in their community. So all, all sorts of different types of businesses. One of them was a coffee shop. And so we went, we were sitting down at the coffee shop, and I'm not even kidding, everywhere we went, people knew Ted. Everywhere we went, and it was like, hey, Ted, how's it going? And it was like, they, they didn't just know him by name, like they knew him, and even more so, he knew them. He knew struggles, he knew kids' names, he knew what was going on in families, he knew diagnoses, he knew dreams and aspirations of their heart. He just cared deeply about these people. And so we're, we're sitting down at this little coffee shop and we're outside. This was like a summer, I think it was last summer. We're sitting outside and he's telling me about all these people that he just loves and has a relationship with. And this is what she's doing and this is what he's doing. And they're going after this. And man, they've been through some trials and some hardships. And then there's a landscaper that came out. He, he had a leaf blower, a backpack leaf blower on him. He's blowing a bunch of stuff. And he goes, you see that guy right there? And I said, yeah. He goes, that guy's story is just so hard. He goes, he, he, he started exploring with faith, looking into it a little bit. And so we have this cool relationship. He's worked with us, I think he said for like 12 years or 15 years, something like that. He'd worked with the company for a long time. And he said, he, he's got a couple kids, but in a freak accident, his 15 or 16 year old son passed away. And I mean, we, we talked about kids last week and how some of, people's most traumatic, difficult, deepest pains revolve around children. In this guy's worst day, in his worst season, you know who he reached out to? Ted. He called up Ted. Ted Card cleared his schedule, made time for him, walked with him, and that family asked Ted to officiate his son's funeral. That was the role that Ted played simply by making himself available for the kingdom of God in the marketplace. In no part of that did anybody on a church staff step in. The church was functioning the way it was designed to. It wasn't, oh man, you need to meet my pastor and you need to come to our church and you need to sit through a service. Ted just goes, I am the church. I'm going to function in exactly the role that God has called whether I feel like I'm good at it or not. And he stepped in and he walked with that family and he cared for that family and they provided for that family however they could. And they honored them because they pointed them to the person of Jesus. That's it. So here's what I would ask. Are there any other Ted's here? Is there anybody else here that's saying, I'm willing to make myself available for however God sees fit? to further the kingdom of God in my workplace, in my environment, in my job, in my business, in my classroom, in my shop. 
Is there any other tents here that are willing to make themselves available for the work of our King who has sent us as ambassadors? This last passage here is Romans chapter 10, verse 14. It says this, How then can they call on the one that they've not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. I'm going to invite my friend Paul up. And uh, Paul has just become an incredible friend and mentor of mine. Even over the last year, he's been here at Frontline for the last two years. He's a marketplace leader, and he has devoted his life to investing in the kingdom of God, using whatever it is that God brings him and entrusts him with. And he's, he's taken it a step beyond, and he's also made himself available to invest in the lives of others, like many of you in this room. To say, I want to invest in these people and, and bring them along the journey that he's been on of learning how to leverage his role as a business owner, as a leader in the community for the purposes of the kingdom of God. So I invited him up just to share a couple thoughts, and then we're going to pray together here as we close. So. Thank you, David. Um, one thing you mentioned about your early journey I can relate to is living life in compartments. When I first accepted Christ, I was on a growth journey, as all of us are, but I lived life in compartments. And so I tried to get my work done at the office so I could go to the church and do God's ministry work. It took me probably a decade, I'm a slow learner, uh, to learn that I didn't have to do that that I had chances to minister right in and through my work every day that I was there. And when those blinders came off, I saw these incredible opportunities to be about God's kingdom work with people I worked with, clients I served. It, it was an abundant, abundance of opportunities to serve God in and through the marketplace. And then you also mentioned the bottom line, and that's something God convicted me of. I work in the business world, I own a business, and I have lots of permission in the world to make profit and revenue the number one priority. Lots of permission to do that, lots of encouragement to do that. But God convicted me that profit and revenue can't be my top priority. If I make that my top priority, I will compromise my faith. I'll manipulate situations, I'll manipulate people, I'll manipulate situations that I shouldn't. And so I've been convicted that profit is a byproduct of doing the right things the right way in a way that honors God. And the prophet will take care of itself as we do that. And a third mistake I made was I wanted to be a successful business person. God gave me talents and abilities to do that, and I enjoyed a great deal. When I started out, I wanted to be a successful business person who was also a Christian, and it was the wrong order. It's a small difference, but it makes a huge difference. So I decided I wanted to be a Christ follower first, and then a successful business person after that. And that difference made all the difference in the world for me in my journey. That's awesome. So here's how we wanted to close. Uh, I asked you the question, are there any other Ted's here? Is anybody else just saying I'm willing to be used by God in whatever capacity he would call me? I'm going to invite you right now just to stand up. And if you say, hey, in my context, in my culture, I, I want to be sent. I want to be sent as a representation as an ambassador of the king. Go ahead and stand right now if you're watching online. We want to invite you to. Paul and I would love to just pray over you and commission you into your environment, your workplace, your context to do what it is that God has called you specifically to do. So go ahead and uh, again, join online, stand. If there's anybody else in the room, go ahead and stand. And then Paul's going to go ahead and start us off. for you. 
Lord, thank you for examples like Ted. Not that we have to be just like him, but there's a version of his story that fits us for the gifts and talents you've given us. Help us to be open to that. And Lord, I think about these opportunities to be involved in your, in your ministry in the marketplace. This is some, not something we have to do, but something we get to do. It's not an obligation. It's an invitation to be involved with you and your plan and your kingdom work. So help us to embrace that. I'd like to think that the church has left the building through these people that are standing today, not in a bad way, but in a good good way, that they're ambassadors and missionaries right here in Grand Rapids. And we need those missionaries and ambassadors in Grand Rapids, just like we need them around the world. So equip these people. I think of the quote, to preach the gospel at all times when necessary and use words. Our actions have consequences. They speak loudly. May our actions match the words we share as we talk about Jesus to those around us. The work is good by your design. You designed work to be good for us. Help us to embrace that, to see the opportunities we have in the marketplace, to, to spend time with these people, and they and their souls matter in all eternity. Give us eyes to see the abundant opportunities you place before us and to willingly participate in those and to experience the joy you have for us in that. And so, Lord, equip us by the power of your spirit through the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to be like Ted, to be the ambassadors in the marketplace that you want us to be. So, God, right now we just pray, just in Jesus' name, that you would fill this room with the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would indwell in each and every person that says, I, I want to be an ambassador of you, Jesus. We just pray that the Holy Spirit would fill each and every person, each and every heart right now, whether they're here in person or watching online, that, that you would bring giftedness, God, that you would bring set-apartness and holiness, that you would bring wisdom and guidance, that you would, you would bring power in a way that no one can explain other than the power of God. We just pray that you would raise up a church right now, just like Paul said, that would vacate the building here in a few minutes that would leave and go back into their marketplaces, their context, their neighborhoods, their whatever, their environment to represent the kingdom of God. And so we don't go in our own strength or in our own power, but in the strength and power of the resurrected Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is in Jesus' name that all of us pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, go ahead. The rest of you, if you want to stand up right now, we're going to close out our time together worshiping. So please join us. We hope this message encouraged you in seeing who God is and who you are in Him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there, and we'll see you back here next week.